0: Eurograps express i'm your host neil david and we're back once again for a late night chat about everything that i've seen and thought about in european wrestling for the last fortnight i'm fairly dedicated to this now we've been doing it a few months it's definitely in my sort of life now this podcast and uh, to the point where my wife actually said we can't make plans this week because you said you're gonna have to record so if it's established with your partner who doesn't have any interest in wrestling, who thinks what you write is weird, who, when I say, oh, I've written a really good article, dear, and she goes, oh, yeah, send it me. I want to read it. I know full well she's not going to read it. You know, that's the the relationship that we have, but it's established with her now. So that's it. I'm I'm committed to do it. And I've, I've been thinking about the podcast. And I didn't really talk about this very much at the start because I don't really like those podcasts that spend ages talking about themselves you know, oh, this is how I got into wrestling, and this is my goal with the podcast, and all oh, this is my vision. I think you don't tell people about your vision; you just do it. There's this big thing in in, in writing and creative writing that you you show you don't tell. So, for example, if somebody is crying, you wouldn't say uh, Neil was upset. You would say uh, tears streamed down Neil's face. That's not a cry for help, by the way. I'm absolutely fine. Um, but I think it's better to just do your podcast, isn't it? It's better to just come out and, and, and start doing what you do. But the whole concept of what I wanted to do with this, just to sort of talk about it very briefly was the late night chat with a friend. It's not uh, a new show. It's not even necessarily a reviewing specific thing show. It's just, Hey, I'm a, we're all friends here. Let's have a chat about the sort of things that we've seen because that's what my favorite podcasts do. I know there's a bit of a, a dichotomy between should you aim your podcast at being a radio show or should you aim it being a um, a podcast, for want of a better expression. And I'm very much in the podcast camp. I'm very much a, somebody with a microphone and a computer talking about something they're passionate about because they're the kind of podcast that I like to listen to. But I was listening to the flagship podcast with Joe and Rich on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and it really made me think about my own podcast because it was an absolutely fantastic episode um they had big scoops um and I definitely would recommend going back and listen I mean I'm kidding myself that anyone who listens to this doesn't listen to the flagship but if you don't for whatever reason I mean it was just it was brilliant they've got this Kota Ibushi news and Joe broke it down fantastically and he's got um sources in the locker room and he's 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 saying i've got dms from this person and dms from this person and you know these are japanese speaking wrestlers and the difficulty that he had of of translating these these messages and and because obviously japanese is a very difficult language to translate from you know you click on translate on a japanese tweet and it often sounds strange and you get this kind of reputation Oh, the, sorry, the Japanese kind of get this reputation as being very poetic, I think, and their the language is very strange, but it's not. It just doesn't have similar roots to ours. You know, we've all got, got Latin roots, and they don't, so it just, it, we could get a meaning, but things kind of evolved in a different way, and that's why it gets quite strange. And he's talking about the, the difficulties in navigating that, and then when the story starts to come out, you've got things like the are potentially being involved, you know, you've got um, extramarital affairs, you've got accusations that gado isn't even the booker that it's this other guy and gado's been getting all these awards and he's getting to the bottom of whether or that's true and it was just a really exciting thing and i thought Do you know what i'd bloody love a scoop i would <laughs> on, my, on my podcast it's not on the same scale it's about a completely different scene but i thought this just sounds amazing i've had i get dms from time to time from promotions saying oh will you check this out and you know there's a couple of people that are really pushing scandinavian graps with me that i promise i will get to it's just these the reason why i've not done scandinavian graps and I, 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 i've been talking about this for a while is simply because a show hasn't been uploaded for a long time the, the latest show i can find is from december but as soon as the next show from Body Slam goes up somewhere i'm going to be watching it um but I thought, no, I want some scoops. I don't necessarily want people in my DMs. I'm not, like, I don't think I'm particularly interested in being friends with wrestlers and promoters. But, you know, I, I thought, oh, this sounds really exciting. And then one fell in my lap this week. Or I thought it did. So this is kind of my journey in in in, in, in find, trying to find a scoop. And it all started with a tweet, as these things often do. And my journalistic... Um, My journalistic senses that I previously didn't think exist started to twitch. There was a a press announcement through uh, TalkSport, the WWE's Ministry of Truth. And it was about the wrestling entertainment series, Wes. And this is based in Nottingham, England for now. And it's Jazim Sel- uh, Selmani and Sonny Dinsa. Now, I apologize if I'm butchering those names. Please correct me if I do. Uh, but you might not know them. You will know who they used to be. They used to be the WWE's authors of pain. Do you remember that really rubbish tag team that we convinced ourselves could be good one day, but they needed to wrestle against great teams to have good matches? Them. And they're launching a brand new professional wrestling promotion. And it's called WES, Wrestling Entertainment Series, which is a terrible name. Uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Wes, WES. Like, no matter how you say it, it just sounds a little bit strange. You know, you think of the great names like WWF, WCW, ECW. They've got like a cadence to them, something that just kind of rolls off the tongue. Even Rev Pro, Progress, it's got these like nice kind of, I don't know, almost, is it iambic? I don't know. It's a wrestling entertainment series. It feels clunky. And it reminds me of Star Trek as well. It reminds me of the most annoying, the second most annoying character in Star Trek Next Generation after Data. Um... That being said, I thought AEW was a terrible name when it came out. I still do when I think about it, but now you don't even hear it, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, this is new. They've, they've released this new promotion, uh, launched this new promotion, and they're announcing a show on June the fourth, and it's coming from the Motorpoint Arena in Nottingham. A couple of things that <laughs> red flags about this one straight away is that. June the 4th isn't a very long time away. Like, you know, we're talking three weeks away. And the Motorpoint Arena in Nottingham is a 10,000-seat arena. Now, obviously, I'm aware that things aren't always as straightforward as... The bigger the arena you get, the more it's going to cost and the more you're expected to fill. I'm very aware that you can partition things off and it might have been cheaper to go there than it is um, somewhere else. I mean, maybe, I don't actually know this, but maybe the motor point's publicly funded or something. You know, they, or there's an element of that, so there's, there's different reasons. But it just seems weird, doesn't it, to announce an arena show in three weeks um, with nothing <laughs> with nothing but the authors have paid Announced, but anyway, I, I I thought you know this is this is absolutely crazy. We would were, we we're just laughing about it on the, on the Slack and um, Paul Ellering's going to be there, and it says on this this, this press release that the duo are going to reestablish themselves as one of the most dominant forces in the tag team wrestling division. The tag team wrestling division. Like, every, we're in a global kind of division that they're going to work their way up. But you just, you know, I'm nitpicking there, whatever. Um, and We were just talking about this, and we are saying it's got five-star vibes. It's one of those wrestling promotions, and this seems to happen a lot in Brit BritRest. Or maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it happens all around the world. It's just, obviously, I'm a bit more in tune with this scene, and I see these things a little bit more. That people will announce a, a promotion, and you'll just think... Why did you think that was going to work? Like, why did you think that was going to be a success? Because this to me just it seems like a terrible idea. And I, and believe me, I do not want to take food off anyone's table. And if this ends up being a success, then brilliant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat that humble pie. I praised the Charles Crowley match on the last episode, so if if I'm, I'm more than prepared to admit when I'm wrong, but this just seems like it's going to fail. It reminds me of five star wrestling. But they, this is when things got interesting because it could just end there, couldn't it? It could be something that we never think about again. But Ewan, who writes a voice as a wrestling, who's a fantastic writer, by the way, his review of um, TJPW show, um, uh, was it last week or the week before, was getting rave reviews. I read it. I, and even someone like me who doesn't follow the promotion at all um, could tell it was brilliantly written. And, and everyone who does follow that world of Joshi was was throwing roses at that review. So you know, please go and read it. That's his territory. He, he lives around that area. And he went to the arena to buy tickets. You know, why not? Give it a try. It's, it's new. I do the same. There's a promotion opening in Salford soon that's promising to be strong style, which is just the cringiest thing imaginable. But I'm going to go to it because it's round the corner. And he went to buy a ticket. And he said, he's at the arena. The lady at the ticket office has not heard anything about any wrestling show. And there's a James Bond orchestra books for June the 4th. <laughs> and I thought, this is it. This is my scandal. This is my scoop. What's happening with this James Bond orchestra? And what's happening with this Wes wrestling promotion? They've both booked a 10,000 seat arena on the same day. And the arena don't seem to have heard anything about it. As far as they know, they're having a lovely evening with the Limelight Orchestra playing James Bond hits in a, with a classical twinge. Through, a, I, I just think that, that this is, it might not have Yakuza involvement. It might not be pulling the rug out from Wrestling Observer Awards and some of the greatest wrestling that there's ever been. But this is it. This is my moment to, to, to break something and, 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 and do something really exciting. You know, I wasn't going to talk about uh, the authors of paying other um, ventures into bull, ape, planet um, NFTs, because that's ridiculous, isn't it? You know, NFTs are ridiculous. if, if If you've invested, and I think that people beat around the bush a little bit with this, if you've invested in NFTs, you are an idiot. Maybe it's because I'm an old socialist and I I, I like these. I, I, I really subscribe to the ideas of alienation, that we struggle with work now because you don't actually see things through. Nobody makes a car anymore. You make a small part of the car and you never get the satisfaction of finishing the whole thing. And craftsmanship has been devalued because of that and all this. And I want work to produce something that you can use and touch. And NFTs are the epitome of that utter bollocks, aren't they? Where it doesn't mean anything but if you if you invest in them you're a fool you deserve to lose your money i'm not going to so i'm not going to talk about them i'm going to talk about their wrestling venture and i'm getting really excited and this like I say, this this thing came along and they're saying that oh the the books with the limelight orchestra and I thought I'm I'm going on Twitter and I'm 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 looking for the limelight orchestra and obviously like a wrestling idiot I assume everyone has Twitter but not everyone does I can't find the limelight orchestra Twitter but then I found a I think he was a trumpet player who 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 plays in the limelight orchestra I'm thinking oh maybe I maybe I can DM them and, and find out what's happening do, do they think that they're they're playing and are they gonna turn up and there's gonna be the um this out massive out terrifying Albanian tag team ready to beat them up and sell them an nft and, and, and i'm really excited and, you know i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to dm and i'm going to i'm, I'm, I'm going to get to the bottom of this and then a facebook post goes up that robin reed the og of voices of wrestling brit rest coverage posted and it was from the limelight orchestra and they said 007 forever diamond the music of james bond it has to be cancelled Due to unforeseen circumstances, and I read that, and I just let it hang in the air. I read that and thought, "This is this is bigger and deeper and more powerful than anything I ever expected it to be." This is what journalism is. I started to pull away at these threads, and started to and and started to find like a deep conspiracy, maybe this battle between W.E.S. wrestling and the limelight orchestra who just and in my head i kayfabe this so you know this evil wrestling corporation and limelight this this grassroots orchestra who with who, who only friends and family would be going to this but then their friends and family would go and they'd have a lovely evening and they'd be they'd be men in in in, in red chinos drinking bitter and and the wives would be talking, and the men would be talking separately, and it would be that lovely British church hall kind of feel, despite the fact it's in a massive arena. And then thinking, yeah, who am I going to DM? And in the end, it turns out that the Limelight Orchestra, if you go on the Facebook, they had to cancel because they're struggling to get back after COVID. I just think they couldn't afford to put it on because they didn't sell enough tickets. And that's when I realised that maybe a journalistic career isn't for me. Maybe I, maybe I got far too excited and I thought, actually, I think most things in real life are just really boring. These Yakuza stories are going to come across once in a lifetime. So instead, what we've got now is the Limelight Orchestra. I'm never going to think about them again. And if you go on the Wrestling Entertainment Series website, we've just got a countdown. And something's going to happen on Monday. Monday evening no one's been announced other than the authors of pain and Paul Ellerin and I assume no one's going to buy any tickets so at the minute I've just got this image of Paul Ellerin and Rocco on his motorbike coming out into an arena like time's gone by reliving his glories in this country and then the the, the sound of that engine that potato Harley Davidson engine echoing in an empty arena Maybe just Ewan for Voices of Wrestling awkwardly sat there alone wondering when he's allowed to leave. But we'll see. Best of luck to him. I hope it goes really, really well. So that's the end of my journalistic career. Um, let's have a look at some other news, though, that's been happening in the British wrestling scene. And I think we have to mention the WWE Clash at the Castle that's going to be in Cardiff. That's, we knew there was going to be a show in Cardiff. That's the name. It's Clash. At the castle, and I'm by no means the first person to notice this because I think absolutely everybody did. That just the name is terrible, isn't it? It reminds you, it, it, it positions this show, doesn't it? It's, it's Mayhem in Manchester, which was my first wrestling show, actually. Incidentally, um, it positions this exactly where it's going to be, and the, 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 there's no surprises there. I, I think. There was some rumblings of maybe they would take it a bit more seriously because the UK is a big market for the WWE. It's somewhere that they traditionally you know, that well, not even traditionally, that if you look on, you know, business kind of things that they, they do well here and it's it's English speaking which which, which helps and there was kind of maybe this, this small chance that they, they would take it seriously. But looking at the poster, um it looks like it was done by a child on work experience. Um, CagesideSeats.com reported it to be fantastic and it looks awesome, but it doesn't. It looks crap. Uh, you've got Drew McIntyre's face staring intently at you and he's, he's got kind of a scowl. There's steam kind of flying from him in the background. Like maybe he's you know he's got his sword, so maybe he's just done a really heavy bit of LARPing with his sword. He's got really into his LARPing and now he's he's, he's steaming because he's so hot. Um And then on the sword, you've got pictures of uh, superstars like freaking Seth Rollins. Uh, You've got um, Bianca Belair, the Smirking Edge. You've got AEW's own Cody Rhodes. And then a really weird picture of Becky Lynch. And so we're getting some big stars here you know these are i suppose if you're a WWE fan these are the people that you're going to want to see um yeah Brock Lesnar was probably a was probably a step too far but you know these are if all these come then that's pretty good i like the Becky Lynch picture actually because it looks like do you remember those old royal rumble videotapes on posters and the hand drawn kind of cartoony versions of the wrestlers it looks like they've done that with her i don't know if it's just been so photoshopped an airbrush that it just looks strange but i actually think it looks really good and in the background we've got the acknowledged one roman reigns in his roman Reign, reigns pose and he's screaming at the the in the background there's the castle and the sky is on fire you know it's, there's nothing subtle about this poster at all the the, the font that they've used is, is is just a step away from chiller you know it's just a small leap away from chiller um, and it looks crap uh, and the show's going to be crap in it so it's just I just think I feel bad for people that are still in this mindset of getting excited for this because you do see some people who are excited I, I, it feels awful to say this because you feel like you' you know you're weeding someone's cornflakes and it, it just if you're excited and I, I, I genuinely hope for those people it's good but the on, what are the odds of this having a good match on it what are the odds of this show having a match that is over three and a half stars because to me, Unless you're really invested in a promotion, you've gotta you've gotta have a four star match somewhere, haven't you, to drag you in. And what are the odds of that happening on this show? drew mcintyre against roman reigns because that seems to be what's been suggested i know they, they've not announced anything but they're both the prominent figures on the poster and you know drew's there with his sword looking out and and and, and roman's kind of stalking him behind he's, he's he's looking straight at him as if he's gonna hoorah and, and spear him you know very very american that isn't it they're setting up this at the american against scottish battle in wales um you know very celtic vibe to it um but do I want to see Drew McIntyre against Roman Reigns? Do I want to see Roman Reigns against anybody at this point? Like, as in actual genuine interest. Like, I'm not talking about like a sick kind of curiosity. Like, yes, I would like to see Roman Reigns against um, Minoru Suzuki just to see what it would look like in the end. But do I, in a, in a, a match that could conceptually happen, do I want to see it? Probably not. I actually quite like Roman Reigns, not as a wrestler, but as a person. If these rumors of him going part-time are true, I think good on him. You know, he's, he's using his leverage in, in the best way possible. And uh, a lot of wrestlers have said this for years, haven't they? That actually money's one thing, but being paid to take fewer bumps and not be on the road is, is something that they all want. And if he's got that, then great. Um, and I really hope he enjoys Cardiff because I think it's lovely. I also got me back up this week over a tweet um, which is, you know, I think is, is probably a silly thing to get you back up about, but um, it's quite a significant moment in NXT UK. Um, it's their 200th episode this week. Um, I have watched it. I was going to talk about it actually. I, I plan to talk about it, but I, I'm I'm not going to um, because I, I made that promise right from the start to go back to what I was saying earlier about what I want from this podcast. What I really don't want is to talk about NXT UK. Um, and there's there's a there's a few reasons for that, I, I, and it's not necessarily just the wrestling because the wrestling they do have occasional good matches. You know, think those Walter Ilya Dragonov ones. There was that match between Tyler Bay and uh, Jordan Devlin from the Takeover that was great. Um, you know, th- th- there are occasionally good things that happen on there. Um, but there's just a great deal of. Sh- First of all, there's a great deal of shame for me around it because if you look at the video that they released um, on this tweet, I'm in it. I was there at that first tournament in Blackpool to crown the champion and I, I paid a lot of money to sit you know, three seats back. Um, and in all the pictures of Tyler Bates holding the belt aloft, I'm in the background and I'm grinning. And my wife's on a phone, which is brilliant on a lot of them. She's she she's on in all the pictures. She's on a phone that much that she basically must have sat on a phone the entire way, um, and I, it makes me feel ashamed of myself. I wish I hadn't have been there, and it's not because I didn't enjoy it at the time. I did, like I say, I'm grinning all the way through it. But then you think, what what has it become? What what was the cost of NXT UK? We put NXT UK on a scale, and what do we get out of it? And this tweet said that they released, and it's like a, a video package that goes with it, and it says, From its humble beginnings, NXT UK has been the launching pad for some of WWE's biggest superstars. And now the brand is ready to ring in another major milestone with its 200th episode next week. And I think it's really impressive in something that is like the foundations of what we're doing and what we talk about in professional wrestling is its artificiality. That is key to everything about it in a way that it isn't to many other mediums. Like if you watch a film, uh, you know you know that you're not watching a documentary when you watch the Marvel Avengers. But the, the issue of it being, quote, fake never comes up. Whereas wrestling, and the reason why I think I find it so fascinating, is because it's a sport that is constructed. And its fakeness is inherent to what it is. You know, kayfabe, we've talked about this before, but kayfabe is something that the audience do as well. It's not just the wrestlers. Kayfabe isn't something that is done to you as a wrestling fan. Kayfabe is something that you participate in yourself. So for this tweet to feel disingenuous... When all that lens is established, this idea of what we're watching being incredibly fake and rubbish, as in rubbish as in, you know, made up, not rubbish as in not good, wrestling's mint, I love it. For it to feel disingenuous through that lens is impressive, isn't it? Even those first words, from its humble beginnings, wasn't humble. They marched their way in, waving contracts around. And we often forget about this, quote, from William Regal. And I think that it's really... It it always sat uneasy with me. And when Regal went to AEW, there was this big kind of debate about... Is Regal good or not? And has he ever had a good match? And is he really the legend that people say that he is? And, you know, you can go back and forth and, you know, people like Benno maintain that he's rubbish. And then, you know, you've got people that Alan Cunahan will say, oh, well, here's a couple of good matches. And there's a lot. Of, I like that kind of debate. I'm not criticizing either of those people. And I don't know where I stand on it. I think it's important that we chew on these things. It's fun to chew on these things. But there's are often an aspect of William Regal that's missing and these quotations like this. And he said that this, when all these um, contracts were going around for NXT UK and there was rumors about what those contracts actually meant because they were hiring independent wrestlers and they were, they were hiring wrestlers that we'd almost be, we become used to see, see it regularly everywhere and enjoying seeing. And when this issue of restrictions came in, it, it made people feel a little bit nervous. And this is what he said. At the time. This is a direct quote. There is zero restriction on anybody working anywhere. This isn't the big bad wolf coming in to take away everything from everybody. This is to give these fellas, who we think are the best, some money in their pockets. Now, I know that he was a company man. And again, it feels weird to break these things down because wrestlers are always working. And wrestlers, especially William Regal, who who will maintain his professionalism to the end. He's going to do what his bosses ask him to do and be professional about it. And whether or not he believed that to be the case at the time, only he can only he can say that. I, and I I believe he probably did think that was that was the case and that was genuine. But actually, as it's turned out, it wasn't. It wasn't designed to give these fellas some money in their pockets. And it, to me, obviously never was going to be that. It was. Why would the w, the WWE of all companies. No company's going to do that. But why WWE of all companies? The reason why they put NXT UK in, in live is fairly well reported by lots and lots of different places that it was to put World of Sport out of business. World of Sport, which, by the way, was rubbish. I remember. It was it new year's eve or new year's day that it was on and i remember i i made a big fuss my wife was a little bit annoyed with me because i was like i'm watching this live world of sports back i want to see it and it was crap it was a lot of rubbish and it was because of that to stop itv getting back into wrestling and it really made me think about william regal this quote because there was always a bit of a dichotomy with him that you go on his twitter feed and he'd be putting all Pictures from Blackpool, like old wrestling venues. He'd be talking about the glory days of World of Sport. He's worked with Big Daddy. He'd be talking about all the greats, you know, like Rollerball Rocco and all these people, like how, how great they were, and really acting like he was passionate about this scene and then being very vocal about something that was ruining it, that was destroying it, that was clearly really, really toxic. And it's always made me from that moment really think about William Regal. I think he's a company man, ultimately. That that that's I mean, this is me, you know, speculating now. I don't know anything. It's just it, it just it's always made me think, and it's this two hundredth episode has really made me think, well, what have we got from NXT UK? We were told it was going to be a good thing, and there was almost a scoffing tone to it as well, like that quote in those interviews when he's like, Yo, this isn't the big bad wolf, come on as if it was unreasonable for us to think that the WWE buying the scene was anything other than a negative. Maybe I'm bitter about it, and I am bitter about it. I've talked about this before with with, um, with, with Progress, that, that you look at what happened in Japan, and they went to Japan with the money, and they were told where to go. And what did Progress and, and ICW and WXW do? They took it, didn't they? Just funny, isn't it? You know, you look at what have we gained. You look at people like Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate is competing for the the NXT UK Tag Team Championship and the Heritage Cup. Where would you rank that in terms of championships that you take seriously? Like, like seriously, what would be the championship... If, if you were to rank all the championships that you like in the wrestling world, if it was like your own PWI ranking list of, of of titles. What would be above it and what would be below it? The never open weight six-band tag would be above it. I think quite genuinely that any of the Rev Pro titles will be above it. You know, we talk, I'm going to talk about how dire the Rev Pro women's division is. That's above that in terms of prestige. How many great Tyler Bate matches have we had too? They talk about these big stars, this you know, this launching point for these stars to get on a bigger screen. We've had Piper Niven um talking to a doll. We've had Walter stripped of anything that made him Walter apart from the odd match here and there. And we've had Tyler Bate taken from us. We've had we've had Pete Dunn dress up like he's in the peaky blinders. What is the positive of this? Like, where's the positive of NXT UK? And I'm, I'm genuinely asking for this because I've been I've been racking my brains. I've been driving around. I've been sat. You know, when you there's like temporary traffic lights and your mind wanders into nonsense. My mind wanders too. What was the upside of this? It's like Brexit. What was the benefit? What was the benefit of NXT UK? And I'm telling you now, if you say putting food on the table of people, you're you you're, you're backing up the wrong tree with that one cuz that's not one i take seriously weird isn't it to think that that we're at 200 episodes or something and it's absolutely. Make sure you as well. You listen to that Stokely Hathaway interview where he says, "No, no one in the business even uh, like the WWE business even seems to remember it." He said, "Like if you if you want to stick around forever in WWE and never get released, go to NXT UK because you can have an FBI warrant out for the most wanted man in the world and they'll never get rid of you." I really do think it's been forgotten about. They bought it. They forgot about it. I just think that's amazing. I suppose we've got pretty deadly on NXT UK. I think uh, what's what they called the grizzled young veterans have had some good matches. Pete Dunne's had some good takeover matches. Was it worth it? I'm not convinced. Anyway, that's the news. Um, I'm not sure how that's gone I'm not sure if I'll do news in future especially with me, with my absolute pathetic investigation thinking something exciting was going on with, uh, with WES and the Limelight Orchestra and in the end it was just something really boring and, and nothing actually happened that it made me feel really deflated so we're going to get back to what I feel I'm actually good at and we're going to review some shows and this is going to be a very Repro focused show today uh, because we've got a big show coming up and I want to get us caught up on as much as we can and do a little preview of that. So uh, let's get on with it. Let's talk about RevPro. I don't know if I'm the only one who feels like this, but sometimes with a promotion, it how you feel about it is affected by kind of the buzz around it. And I, I think we can make out that we're not affected by things like that. But actually, I I really am, and I think most people are. Because we're going to talk about Live in London 60, and, and all the problems that I've had with Red Pro shows in the past, or the recent past, are evident in this. You know, it's a really old show. We're still a few shows behind. But next week, as I'm recording this on the 22nd, there's going to be the next York Hall show. And he looks amazing, and I wish I could be there. I can't. I, I, I have to work, like, three Sundays a year, and that's one of them, and I, I can't go, and I really want to. Um, but that builds palpable. There's matches being announced that look amazing, and I really want to be there. And that I think that's really affected how I've seen this show. And I think live in London's a good anyway. I, I, think, I There's something about live in London, and that, that whether it's at the cockpit or the 229, that, that have just a little bit of something about them. It feels special. It feels like they take them seriously and that they're going to put something exciting on and they get imports in for them. And it really feels like there's something intangible about them. But to me, it adds up to... It, they almost feel like they're for the wrestling fan. They're for the traveling fan. They're for people who take wrestling seriously. And whether they hit or they miss when you put it through that lens doesn't actually matter because people like me and you value thinking about it and we value what we're seeing and and and, and, and sort of weighing it up and the pros and the cons and what would I have done, what did they do, where's it going? And Live at London allows you to do that, I think. So this is Live at London 60 and it opened with David Francisco and Joshua James against Sunshine Machine. Now, Francisco, I... I really like and Joshua James I ended up really liking it in this match it's weird that they're both contenders I don't really get what's going on with the contenders division um since people like Kenneth Harpenny and Brendan White don't seem to be around anymore um in Rev Pro uh, I know they're connected to the training school and then they get you know they do the openers. but Francisco and James are older wrestlers I think they're quite experienced as well maybe on a smaller scale than RevPro. Pro but it, it feels strange that the contenders division has dropped off the face of the earth um but I really like these two. And I think they were a great tag team. And I don't think they should be in the contenders division. I think you could have Francisco and James just as a tag team. Now, Sunshine Machine are champions. This was a, a non-championship match. So th- the result was never in was never in contention. And it, it kind of made me think about opening matches. And as I'm getting older, I'm getting really particular about opening matches. I'm really stuck in my ways. You know, there's this thing, isn't there, about the reason why the 18 to 40 demo is so important in wrestling, in, well, in television, is because you're susceptible to things. You're more likely to be swayed by advertising, because by the time you start to reach your 40s, you become set in your ways. You, you know, you have a brand. Like when I barbecue, for example, I only use Weber. I'm not forty yet, but I'm starting to get these things where, yeah, you can announce these amazing new Australia this amazing new Australian charcoal that apparently is fifty times as good. But I use Weber, and as you get older, you become more and more in tune to that. I think that's not just a case of advertising. I think that's with everything. I want my opening matches to be exciting. I don't really want comedy. Um, and there was a little bit too much comedy in this. It was, it was pretending to do the slam thing, you know, and getting, t- but, uh, slamming a bigger man and not being able to do it and that sort of thing. Joshua James, though, is fantastic. Big power moves, huge shoulder blocks. I think they should have let, him, have let him get all this in quicker. I think they spent too long on the comedy and what they could have done. He's just got James over. There was too much time with slow headlocks. I think he got over, but I think he could have got over more. Because that's really the the aim of this, isn't it? Is that, yes, Sunshine Machine need a victory. This sun- this stars. You want to see champions on a show. But why put them against somebody, even if they're squashing them, and not let them get over a little bit? And they did let them get over a little bit, but I just think they could have let them get over more. Especially Francisco. Francisco's amazing, he does, he's a big bloke, like a chubby bloke, he's got the same body as me, but he does like weird sunset flips, and he's a fat lad in small trucks doing amazing stuff with, just a really t- palpable confidence to him that's just fantastic, I've, I'm all in on David Francisco, you know, he's not, I don't think he's going to be a champion, I don't think he's someone you can push to the top of the card, but he's an incredibly valuable member of this roster that they should absolutely be going all in on, And he can really take a beat down as well. He really, really can. He's, you know, he's got that charisma that you forgive things. Like he can do amazing sort of fight backs and comebacks and hot tags, and and it looked a little bit strange at points because he they, he is so big and James is so big that Cooper, when he was beating them in a fist fight, he just looked a little bit strange. Now, the end of this match was where I had some contention, because actually, I'm, I'm nitpicking at that match, and like I said at the start, people like us, we like to chew on these things, and, and they gave me something to chew on, which I really appreciated. But the end of this match kind of wound me up a little bit, because Will Cruz and Blake came out and attacked and beat up um, Sunshine Machine. And... The crews delivered a really bad promo. He looked great, like the suplexes and the, the moves he was doing were great, but his promo was awful. It came across really stunted. He was breathing into the microphone a lot, so it just had this 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 sprinkling of dirty phone call to it that I just didn't really enjoy. And and then the if you if you're analyzing the whole package, there was some very stereotypical booing from the crowd you know like, oh no this, this, these are heels I'm gonna boo and it it just it, 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 it didn't sit right with me and he was saying things like they're not here to make friends they're here to take over like what are you t- I hate phrases like that what what do you mean take over what are you talking about you're here to win a belt you're here to be the top of the sport to be the top of the game you can be a heel and still have that motiv- having these weird motivations that just don't mean anything. We talked before about the NFTs not meaning anything, and this is one of those phrases that don't... What, what do you mean take over? It's something that's been so... Probably the NWO's fault. It's, it's something that's been so ingrained into wrestling that it's just become something that we, we trot out, and, and wrestlers trot out in promos as, as lazy shorthand for nothing. It's a lazy shorthand for nothing. If Cruz and Blake, because they're big lads, intimidating lads, and Sunshine Machine aren't small, but they're, they're slight. They're, they're more slender. They've got more like swimmer's physiques. If Will Cruz and Blake would have just come out and squared up to them, that would have been an amazing visual. And that alone would have been more exciting than this, because I don't see the beatdown. I don't see, hear the promo. I just see Pro Wrestling Challenge. And it, it kind of, it, it just it just it doesn't feel right with me. I don't know, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Am I being too nitpicky here? I just, I just think that, that that's not, you don't have to do it that way. You could have done the same thing, got the same outcome in a better way. So do it the better way. Don't do it in the rubbish way that we've been doing for years and it's boring. Next up, there was Robbie X against Lee Hunter. Um, This is a feud that's happening between, you know, you've got Robbie X and RKJ on the babyface side and lee hunter and dan maloney on the other and it's been quite a nice little feud they've been building because the idea is that dan maloney is or initially the idea they presented was that dan maloney was very manipulative and lee hunter somebody who's been around forever but never really done anything impressive he's he's, he's, he's sort of always been around on the card with his brother in the tag team and they've, they've just been passed by many others and now it's his time he's thinking oh, i'm annoyed about this now and dan maloney at are They know each other. They've trained together for years. Actually, maybe I should be a bit more like Dan Maloney. And there's something about that story that I I really like. And it's a very subtle, real story that I believe like someone, a veteran like Lee Hunter would become annoyed at this point in his career. He would be frustrated um, about things. And the way he came to the ring really sold that. He had almost like a creepy attitude. He, you know, he, he was subtle. He was carrying himself in a slightly different way. Like when he walked in the ring, he, he stared at the ring announcer and she kind of really subtly just moved away from him a little bit. Like as if she was a bit like, I don't know who you are anymore. And I thought that was a really lovely little moment and obviously Robbie X, I think he's great. I think he's really underrated. I think he's a great wrestler. You know, you're going to get a certain standard with Robbie X, a standard that's going to be that's going to be at least good. And he, they started this by brawling on the outside, and I hate that. I just you, the crowd can't see it, so only a small proportion of them are reacting, and they're just walking around. And I feel like we see through this as fans, that just walking around and hitting heads off walls is really easy and really boring. It doesn't really have that Stan Hansen feel to it when 99% of wrestlers do it, it just has a really boring feel to it. But once it got into the ring, it was great. They wrestled like they knew each other because they do know each other. There was dodges into dodges and X dominated for a lot of this, which he should have done because Hunter isn't the most exciting wrestler when he gets on the offense, but he's perfect for this spot. He's perfect to be in this revolving feud. Um, he's great at selling. So when Robbie X is pulling his arm out of his socket, he looked great. He was always in the right place. Um And then Lee Hunter took over, and it kind of fell a little bit there because Lee Hunter wrestled like he was in, you know, one of them territories that they used to have in America in the past when wrestling was good. Um, And, you know, he's doing that move where he just holds onto his face and he's digging his hands into his face, and I don't really know if he's supposed to be poking him in the eye or what. And, you know, he was a bit like, oh, I'm a baddie now, so I'm going to do what a baddie does. Didn't really work for me. It just it felt like a, a bit like we're better than this, you know? The ending was really cute. Robbie X did a cutter to the ref uh, by accident. You know, um, Lee pulled the, the ref in front and it was going to be a, 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 a cutter to the ref, but he got out of it, then there was a low blow. And I guess it was cleverer than a ref distraction in a technical sense, but if something's rubbish, it's still rubbish. And I feel like when Lee Hunter was leaving the ring and he was cackling and laughing like, ha ha ha, I pulled one over on you by cheating and I got the victory. I just thought, are we not better than this? Surely Lee could have just won. Robbie X isn't going to lose anything by losing to Lee Hunter if Lee Hunter's upped his game. I just I felt like it was a really strange way of doing things. Then we're on to the women's division. Got Alex Windsor against uh, uh, Nightshade. Uh, called Lampshade by the crowd, which I thought was excellent. Um, and the women's division is still really struggling. Windsor came out and she didn't get much of a reaction. There were some people chanting for her, but you could tell it was very small pockets. Um, and I feel like the women's division just isn't getting the attention at the top of the card are doing. Yeah, I've got issues with how it's kind of playing out with the subtlety of it, but if you break down that story with those four blokes at the top, it's just a very subtle thing with interesting story that Quilden's really good at. And actually we're not really getting much from that in the women's division they spent far too long focused on a on a pure blue eye run for hyen which didn't work and Rhea o'reilly being the heel which again doesn't work and now we've got nightshade and nightshade's really corny you know she does a cheesy entrance and she's talking rubbish and looking evil and she's everything looks really thought about and she's she's gone right i am a heel how does a heel react a heel looks this way and acts this way and it just feels very stunted and very uh, and just very corny but lots of parts of this were really clumsy and slow there were lots of bits in this that that were just silly like, Windsor went for a handshake at the start of the match. And we know Night- the way Nightshade presented herself as the cookie-cutter heel. She's not going to shake your hand. And she attack- and it just felt like, to me, that just made Windsor look like an idiot. She looked like an idiot previously when she made a championship match and made it a three-way when Laura DiMatteo couldn't make a show. Like, she just looked stupid. They tried to make her look like a fighting champ, and she looked stupid. Here, they tried to make her look honourable, and she just looked stupid. There were lots of moments where Nightshade forgot that she had to run into a corner and things happened at the last minute or, you know, punches were clearly designed to be dodged. To be fair, in the late game, something clicked. Nightshade started dropping these huge suplexes and she was brilliant and I got it then. She dropped suplex after suplex like it was Brock Lesnar against John Cena. And I realised then, what Nightshade has done is she's overthought everything. Wrestling at its core is really simple. You want to be a good heel, be the big bruiser who will absolutely dominate. And I I really liked that. Five minutes of the match, I thought, yes, this makes sense. All she needs to do is drop a load of suplexes like she's a ginger Brock wrestler. I think she's a wrestler that a better opponent could have hidden those weaknesses i don't know who or maybe better booking or better layout or whatever it was i think they exposed a lot of her weaknesses in this match and uh, she's got a lot of strengths nightshade and you know things like the missing strikes and he overstayed its welcome it went far too long it should have been a lot shorter um he just he was a missed opportunity i think this match then Rhea O'Reilly came out and music playing. The commentary said that, oh, it looks like Nightshade hasn't realised she's coming out even though her music was playing, but Rhea O'Reilly's on the same side as Nightshade and they're a bit of a, a heel tag team and then the heel tag team did a beat down and a challenge at the end, which was the same angle twice in a show, so Rip Rogers would be spitting feathers if he actually watched wrestling. Um, but that is what it is. I'm not that excited about a Rhea O'Reilly challenge to be honest with you. I think she's she's not the best wrestler, but I think nightshade should have been better here and you you know you only get the first time once and I think it was a shame. Then we had Cal Fletcher against Yota Suji. I love Hill Fletcher. The way he came out and he was dancing and he was he's just, he's an all-rounder Kyle Fletcher. He's got everything. I think he's going to be an absolute star. You know, that criticism that a lot of us, including myself, got bogged down in about his appearance and about how uh, his body looks. I think that just is put to bed. He looks fantastic. He carries himself in a brilliant way. He's a great wrestler. Suji's the one to think about though here. And I said last time that I don't love Suji, but I don't hate him. And that's kind of my problem with him. I think that he's a bit indistinct. I don't really feel like I have any really great opinions about him. And same with him as well. He kind of walks with his shoulders slumped. You know, he doesn't really seem to to engage in things in the way that I want him to or the way that I feel like he should. One of my pet hates... Um, was evident at the start of this with the crowd doing the chant, singing the Suji song and Suji kind of clapped and cheered with them which is something that he did but I'm, I'm done with this now and I, I think it, the epitome of this was that progress show we talked about last time but I don't want to do the silly chants I don't want the crowd to be the focus more than the wrestlers I think if you want to do that that's fine go to Tuesday night grabs go to promotions that take the vowels out of things and put spaces between letters you're at Rev Pro. You're at Live in London. Let's buy into the capital, the cultural capital of what this is. Let's let's be a wrestling show. Stop your silly songs. Maybe I'm grumpy. That that is grumpy, actually. No, sing your songs, enjoy yourself. But you know, maybe not all the time. This kicked off and it was really good. It, it was a really great start with each man just going for a speedy power move. And they, they were it was not like a grapple. It was they were going for the speedy power move. And Suji's spin kick looked great, but. I just, as I say, I worry about Yota Suji, does he commit, and I don't know if he does, you know, the pacing was off, there was lots of downtime, there was lots of milking things, There was a bit where a grown woman in the audience had grown a picture, and Fletcher ripped it up, He ripped up the picture that she'd drawn for Yota Suji, and that set a fire in Suji, he was annoyed, and Then there was a bit where Fletcher landed on a medic and sold chops like an idiot. And I thought about that before. What capital are we building here? Because to me, when I watch this match and I I see this match announced, I think, right, we've got a young lion against a future superstar. And I want to engage in this in a way that a wrestling fan would engage in it. I want to think about whether this young lion is going to be a great or not. I want to think about getting in on Kyle Fletcher right on the verge of him doing something special. But when you're doing things like ripping up pictures and sitting on medics and selling chops because he's clearly got a bit of banter with this medic, it makes that hard. It makes it harder for me to buy into that capital that I really want to. But when they were wrestling, and they were wrestling quickly, he was really, really good. Fletcher's got that Aussie Open thing where he does that rule of threes. You know, you're doing a speech and you do things in threes. Well, he does that with wrestling moves. Uh, you know, he, he he does a leap through the ropes, then throws him back in and does a kick and then does a suplex and then goes for the pin. You know, it's move after move after move and then a pin. Um, Fletcher got the win and I, I just thought it was a, a poorly structured match. Um... Gideon Gray said he was really disappointed in Yotosuchi. So they carry on this story of the Legion and people not really knowing if they're in the Legion or not. But uh, yeah, I I was disappointed in the match as well. I thought it could have been a lot better. But it was good. It was good, but it could have been better. Then we've got Dunkzilla Davis against Callum Newman. Uh, Amino didn't wrestle as advertised. Uh, Gideon Gray came out and said he's got a bad case of the sniffles and he couldn't allow such a young man to face Dunkzilla Davis. So we get Newman, and uh, Newman is uh, Will Ospreay's protege, and it really does have those vibes of the early Osprey stuff. He does lots and lots of needless flips, and I never understand the criticism of that. I think, why would you be annoyed at somebody doing cool moves? Like, I get that you can say it's not your style, like, in the same way that perhaps... I don't know, you know, like a lucha underground, that very heavily kayfabe thing isn't my style. But I don't understand why you would be annoyed that someone doing cool moves is, you know, be annoyed about that. I just think it's awesome. You know, I think like, it's like when people complain that AEW is too good. Like what was that thing going around there? AEW are too excited. They're giving us too much cool stuff. It's like, what are you talking about? What are you on about? and Newman's at this point in his career well he's he's still young and dumb um, you know he's still doing things like leaping over the top of the rope uh, top rope and landing on his feet you know he's still at that point and the great thing about Dougzilla is he's amazing. He's able to keep up. He was leapfrogging with him. He was able to go right along with the speed, which, which was absolutely fantastic. And again, I'm going to eat some humble pie now because I say generally I don't like brawling on the outside. But with this, there was a point where they were brawling on the outside and Zilla powerbombed Newman against a brick wall. And that takes a young, dumb wrestler to sign up to that. And it takes all with the power of uh, Dougzilla to be able to do it. And it was a great, great spot. Callum Newman's athleticism is just unbelievable. One of the things I'm always really impressed with, and this, this is maybe a really niche thing, but when a wrestler does a spot on the ropes, maybe like a springboard style thing, and they manage to save themselves, like mid-move, because I just think that's incredibly athletic. Kenny Omega did it in one of his matches against um, Okada. He tried to do. He, he did. He leapt up onto the top rope and then leapt off. But as he leapt up onto the top rope, he sort of he almost fell, and he was he managed to right himself and then do the move. And that, just that to me, is amazing athleticism. And it adds to it as well, because that move seemed so much more dangerous and so much more impressive. And Newman did a version of this here. He went for a springboard. He missed the middle rope completely, but he was athletic athletic enough to go for the bottom rope and still hit the move afterwards when he leapt backwards. It was like a cutter-style thing. And I just think that really speaks to how athletic this person is. And Dunk gave Newman so much. He battered him and battered him and battered him. And he kept kicking out Newman. And I've really felt like watching this match is that I'm ready for a rest breakthrough. I've been talking about Luke Jacobs a lot with this. That I'm ready now for somebody on this scene to have a breakout match. I know some people might say Oku, but Oku's, you know, the Oku Osprey, but the Oku Osprey's a different thing. Like, because Oku's been around forever. He's older than you think. And I I, I think that he's had his breakthroughs. He's just a great wrestler having good matches. But I'm ready for that young wrestler to have the breakthrough. I remember being at the Okada Osprey match in Reading. And that, in a lot of ways, people consider that to be Osprey's breakthrough. And I want to feel that again. I want to be at that moment where I'm like, yeah, Osprey's a star. Newman's a star. I don't know if Newman's quite got the charisma that, that Osprey had. I'd have to go back and watch some older Osprey matches. I was watching the Omega Osprey match from PWG um, uh, recently, and it does... Yeah, Osprey has learned his charisma, but he was still, I think, at uh, a slightly higher level than Newman. And maybe slightly more original than Newman is, I don't know. But we're still at that very early stage with Newman, and I think he's, he's definitely, definitely one to watch. Um... Gideon was sucking up to Doug Zilla all the way through this, you know, because he's got that connection really, hasn't he? Because he was Great Okan's manager, and then Great Okan is now in a stable with him, and I'm thinking, please, please, please get Gideon Grey over to New Japan. He should be managing, he should be managing them. He should be managing the United Empire. I think he, I thought... It was amazing. And he's a the way he's apologising to Davis, he's like, I picked Newman because I thought it would be easy. I'm so sorry it was a difficult match. And what a really clever line that was. And I know that sounds like something that would just be a throwaway line, but I think Gideon Gray's a genius, and I, I don't think it is a throwaway line. That puts everybody over. It puts over... Newman, because he's he's saying, look, I recognise now that this was a much tougher match than people expected. It highlights Newman as being somebody to watch. It puts over Dunkzilla Zilla because, you know, he, he had to overcome something that was challenging and he's recognising that he had to overcome a tough challenge. It puts over the match because it puts over a competitive, we're going to watch, just a great line. I thought it was fantastic. Then we had Connor Mills against Luke Jacobs. Now, I said about waiting for that big match, waiting for that big breakthrough match, and I think Luke Jacobs is the one that I think it might come from, but I'm not so sure. I gave his match against Oku four stars, and it's against Connor Mills here. Um, And I wondered if he could do the same against Oku's partner, but... Conor Mills is just a bit of a charisma void, I think. He's a, he's, he's a good wrestler, he's a competent wrestler, but he plays that tough guy routine that he can't quite he can't quite manage. But Jacobs should prove me right here, because I've been saying this, I'm not the only one to say this, but I've been saying this, that he should be a power junior. He's the Atlas champion, and it's ridiculous that he's the Atlas champion. I know weight classes don't matter. I know it's just the story telling device and he is right on that cusp and he can go either way so he's either going to be the heaviest bruiser in a junior heavyweight division or he's going to be the lightest man in a heavyweight division but by saying he's a heavyweight and by putting the atlas championship on him you're giving him expectations that he's going to be able to go in there with the with the likes of jonah and throw him around and he just can't and you know and actually in this match quilder mentioned this so Quilden is confirmed as a EuroGraps Express listener. So hello Andy. I hope you're having a lovely weekend. Um, I love your promotion. Um, despite how it seems I seem to I feel like I tear it apart every show, but it's not. It's because I like thinking about it. That's why. That's why I love Revpro, because it just gives me things to think about and chew on. Um, but he said it himself that he, he, you know, we don't know what he's going to look like in the future, but for now he's a junior, and that's where he's going to be the most effective, and that's where he should be focusing. I, I'm, I'm joking about him being a Eurograps Express listener, by the way. I'm sure that was just a short progress. When he, he's right, the thing is, he's right. But if you are listening, Andy, slide into the DMs. We'll talk. Um, Mills was good here. He oversold a few bits, like a shoulder block, like he was more the sell got over more than the move. Um, but this was just Jacobs doing big, beastly suplexes. And Mills, generally, apart from the odd spots, sold them really well. I liked the way Luke Jacobs could strut around like it wasn't a big deal. Like he'd, he'd do a, a big bomb and then just kind of walk off and brush himself off. And I think that, that really worked. There were lots of strikes in the corner. And it, it, there was an emotional no-sell from Jacobs that I thought was great. Like he really battered him. There was lots of ground and pound in this. And he it, it, it didn't really affect him. It wasn't something that particularly bothered him. And uh, when I'm watching this and I'm seeing how well he dominated Mills, I'm just thinking how stupid it was to put him in the Atlas tournament. I'm not saying this match was amazing. It, it wasn't, but it, it was good. And it made me think there's a lot more that could be done. Mills actually is really good at the little things. Like He, he went for a lift at one point, a lift move, and he collapsed because he'd been battered too much. I think it was planned. Maybe it wasn't planned, maybe he genuinely just botched it and then he moved into into selling the weight and the the fatigue. Which either way, that's great. Either way he added to it and the overall presentation ended up really working. If it added to the match, I don't really care. I think the problem with Mills is that a lot of his offence as well is very, very generic. Like he does the you know, the Ambrose thing where you kind of go back through the rope and spring yourself out. And I, I just think that's kinda of corny. Only really Ambrose can get away with doing that. Or oh, Moxley, apologise. I should say Moxley. My God, Ambrose. Uh, but Jacob slapped him as he came out. And uh, you know, that that sort that added a nice little twist to it. I still think Luke needs to drop the ankle lock, even if he's catching it, um catching moonsaults and putting him in into ankle locks. I still I still think the ankle lock needs to go. Then there was a load of bollocks at the end, promos and what have you and, and, and fighting. But then we got Ricky Knight Jr. Dan Maloney announced and I got really excited here because I looked at how long I had left on the VOD and there was like 15 minutes left and Luke Jacobs hadn't even left the ring and I, I immediately thought, do you know we said before about this capital thing, that when you're a show, you're doing a, a promotion like Red Pro, doing a show like Live in London, and I'm being given 15 minutes left with Ricky Knight Jr. and Dan Maloney, I think they're just going to... I immediately, I think, right, they're just going to kill each other. And I was excited for it. And then the music starts. Dan Maloney's music comes out, and I'm expecting to see the the... the the jacked up chav bounces his way to the ring with his sports direct boots and he didn't come out and then his music starts again still no sports direct boots and then the camera moves over and they're already fighting in the bar they're wandering around doing punches and i thought i know what you've gone for here You're going to have a few matches between these two and it's going to be a feud. And In fact, they had a no DQ match at the Sheffield. So this is kind of the middle match that's going to build up to that. And I get what you're doing with it, but this just felt too cute to me. Like, Think about those matches that you have where they start in a ring, you're given a moment to wait for the bell and the wrestlers are just ready to gun at each other. Think about those ECE matches in the G1 where he's kind of like holding himself back on the ropes. He's got hold of the top ropes and he's almost pulling himself forward as if he's physically holding himself back. How exciting that is, how tangible that weight for the bell is. And instead here we've got a brawl in the crowd, which I hate anyway. It felt like they were just doing something for the sake of doing it. I don't think he added anything to what was going on. And I think we were robbed here at the Maloney entrance, which just adds so much to the story. Maybe it's because I was expecting something else, but the start took a while for me to get into. You know, maybe that's 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 partly with me that I I'd have done this differently, and, and they just they chose to do something different, and that, and that's the way it is. But once Maloney became Maloney in this, it was great because Maloney. I, I was listening to the um, the fantastic British Wrestling Experience, uh, and. I think they were kind of saying that they prefer the progress Maloney and I don't. I think the Rev Pro Maloney is 10 times better. You know, moments with this when he's encouraging uh, RKJ to slap his chest and screaming at him while he does it just look great. It looked absolutely terrifying. And RKJ's RKJ. I say that every week. He's a legend. He's a star. He's not a legend. Sorry, I went very British then. Then I? I went very, like, I went very progress fan. Oh, it's an absolute legend. Miko Satomura is an absolute legend, mate. Have you never seen her? Well, you know, yeah, I have seen her and you haven't, so sure. up. Um, anyway, got very angry then. Um, but he does things like draping DDTs on the floor, and I love the fact that he's, he's, he's not afraid to be a babyface who just does cool shit. He doesn't have to be the babyface who gets beaten down all the time. Just like the heel doesn't always have to be the heel who cheats. The babyface doesn't have to be the babyface who, who who gets battered and, and goes up against the odds. There was a chair spot in this where they got chairs and sat down and slapped each other and then they moved the chairs away. And it just felt a little bit contrived. Again, it felt overbooked. It felt like they were trying to do something different and they were trying to do something a little bit more exciting. Um, but it just didn't really work. And I, I think ultimately what they did was less exciting than just wrestling. Um... I think the ring actually broke in this match because it was a sort of like a weird. I don't know if just the canvas had come up slightly, but there was a weird bit where Maloney launched RKJ, and the ring didn't really seem to move at all. And it just made the the, the move. It was almost like a um, a razor's edge, but a thrown razor's edge, like a like a, a bad luck fall or something with a bit of a launch. And it just the fact that the ring didn't have any give in it just really seemed to make it seem ten times more impactful. But RKJ didn't appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure it didn't exactly make him happy. Lee Hunter broke the pin, which stunk. You know, he came in and he broke up a pin and then it ended in a no contest and we had low blows. And it it reminded me of when I stopped watching Raw a little bit. Not as bad, like not even on the same level, but I remember one of the big turning points in my wrestling fandom. I was sat in the car on the way home and it was a Tuesday. It's obviously Raw's on a Monday. And I was sat in the car on my way home And I had this thought pop into my head, and the thought was, I really wish I didn't have to watch Raw tonight. I don't want to watch it. I really wish I didn't have to watch it. And then almost immediately afterwards, I had this epiphany, almost like something had appeared to me. And this thought was, was dropped into my brain from a higher power, and it said, Neil, you don't have to watch Raw tonight. And I never watched Raw again, and I've not watched it since. And this kind of reminded me of that, but not as bad. You know, like you because they do like main events. They would announce a match that actually be all right. You know, like a nice tag or something like in a feud. And then it, all, you knew, you knew that it would always be ended by some sort of shenanigan. And it just, it to me, that deflates me a little bit. Like I don't mind a no contest if it got so violent that they both got disqualified or because yeah, you're telling a story and I don't necessarily mind it in and of itself. It's just the way they did it here. Just really spoke to those old, old raws. But overall, I thought this was a really good show and it was a show that, you know, especially that Newman-Dunkzilla match, I think that was a match really worth watching. I think more than ever, I'm looking at Red Pro's roster and thinking, wow, and I'm, I'm waiting for them to pull triggers on certain things, like especially RKJ. I kind of feel like, I wish RKJ and Dan Maloney were getting a big match in a high profile spot um, with a big crowd and uh, you know coming up, but I, I think they're just a really exciting promotion and an interesting promotion, and a promotion that I don't feel insulted by, if I'm honest there are things that I don't like, there are booking decisions that I, I would do differently and that there are things that I want to analyse and get. I get, even get frustrated about sometimes but actually I don't feel like Quilden is taking the mick out of me, I feel like Quilden is putting together a really good product that that I, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time by doing this. I've spoke for, what, half an hour now about this live at London, and I don't feel like I've wasted my time. I've enjoyed talking about it. I've enjoyed thinking about it. And that, to me, is always going to be the value of RevPro over a progress. It's all about the in-ring. It's all about the booking. It's all about the, the analysis for me when it comes to RevPro. I don't have to worry about anything else with them, and I value that. I really do value that as a wrestling fan. But obviously... As I said at the start, maybe this is influenced by the upcoming show at York Hall and how excited I am for that. So let's give that a little bit. The reason why I'm so excited about Epic Encounter, the next show at York Hall, is because I can be excited about it without any caveats it's not good for a British wrestling show, it's not good um, based on the talent pool that they've got they've not done a good job with scant resources they've genuinely just put on a really good show, or looks like they're going to put on a good show we talked about Progresses money woes a couple of weeks ago uh, ticket woes, and how they don't seem to be selling the the amount of tickets that they expect to, um, and they seem to be really struggling a little bit, but RevPro aren't, they're selling, they're doing a 1200 seat venue, and they've sold it out, this is probably going to be the biggest show of the year in England, at least, and we can work ourselves into a shoot sometimes about how you get to this point, and really what RevPro have understood, and what they've they've bought into with this show, is that you sell tickets by booking good stuff, if you want people to come and watch your wrestling show, you don't witter on about how you should support indie wrestling, you know, you look at some promoters on Twitter who like to say oh, we really need your support with this, and if you want to keep British Wrestling alive, almost as if, like, the onus is on the consumer to support the promotion, when it's not, the onus is on the promotion to put on stuff that you want to see you shouldn't have to try and persuade me to support a company, I should want to go and see what, support doesn't enter into it, I should want to go and see what's being put on And by booking some of the matches on this show, it shows that Red Pro really, really understand that. And it shows that it works because they've sold it out. 1,200 tickets, gone. Based purely on good matches. And a lot of these matches don't have really any direct storyline implications. As great as I think some of the stories are in Red Pro, it's not that they're bred of people wanting to go and see the next chapter. They've just booked cool stuff that people want to go and watch. So let's have a look through this card then, because I do think there's some really obviously exciting stuff, but some other exciting things that might be bubbling under the radar a little bit. Um, first off, we've got um, we've got Luke Jacobs against Robbie X, and I've talked a lot about Luke Jacobs, and I've I've sort of talked about this till I'm blue in the face about how he's ready for his breakout performance, and this could very well be it. I think Robbie X is fantastic, but Robbie X is a good opponent for him because he brings the speed. Robbie X is a, is, a, is a high flyer. He's very competent in lots of ways, but he's somebody who Luke Jacobs can really get that kind of juxtaposition with because he can move so, so quick and then Luke Jacobs can stop him suddenly with closed lines and big power moves. You know, Robbie X isn't so big that he's, that's going to be an issue. I really do think that this is going to be something that he can, he, if he wants to and if he's ready to do it, he can have that breakout performance. Whether he will or not, I don't know. Robbie X has got a funny history for me at York Hall. I remember when he had that feud with RKJ and I was really excited to see um, the York Hall match and it ended up being quite disappointing. I thought the better matches were in smaller venues. Um, Could have just been a one-off, I suppose. I don't think you can read anything into that. Um, But this one is, again, still really on the fence, but it has a chance to be. Uh, It has a chance to to be absolutely excellent. They've announced velocities against Aussie Open. And we've talked a lot about how RevPro speak to a certain wrestling fan. Now I'm not an expert in the Oceania territory. I'm by no means somebody who keeps up with with promotions. I follow people like Kevin Chia on Twitter, who who uh, and and uh, you know who will, will will keep up with that sort of thing and are in that in that territory. And. This match really broke through when it happened in Australia. You know, it was a match that everybody was talking about. It made match of the year lists, but it was only being talked about in very particular circles. It was being talked about in our circles, like I've heard of it, but the person going to Clash in the Castle who's sitting on row C, seat 29C, they're not going to have heard of that. It speaks to people like us. It speaks to the fact that Andy is one of us. It's, It's somebody who's in tune with the wrestling scene and who can put on a rematch of a match that last year was really, really hot and really exciting for people like us. And the fact that they announced this alongside the main event, you know, this isn't a match that's been quietly announced, like Luke Jacobs against Robbie X was just put up on Twitter a few weeks ago. But this is one that they've really put front and centre, and I think this is a match that is that that is going to be a really exciting one to see. It feels significant. It feels like something that I, I really want to watch. I think Aussie Open, for me, are my favourite tag team in the world at the minute. And I think the tag team division, tag team wrestling worldwide, is really strong. We've got to start talking about the Great British Tag League, and I think it looks absolutely fantastic. But of all those tag teams, I put Aussie Open at the top. I cannot wait to see what they do in New Japan. I think they're going to be amazing. I think giving them these bigger and bigger opportunities is it's taken a long time, but I think it's been well-deserved. I really do. I think they're an incredibly exciting team. Then we've got Jeff Cobb against Ricky Knight Jr. And that is going to be, I think, a banger. We're talking about breakout performances. You've got someone who's a contracted New Japan star against Ricky Knight Jr. And I think this could be a breakout performance for Ricky Knight Jr. Everyone who has seen Ricky Knight Jr. knows how fantastic he is. And I think that having a match against jeff cobb is going to get more eyes on him don't forget jeff cobb can have five-star matches he's had matches at wrestle kingdom where that people put up with the best of all time i'm not a huge jeff cobb jeff cobb fan personally in a way that might be hard to explain i think he's great i don't quite think he hits the heights that other people think he does That's not to say that this can't be an absolutely fantastic match. I think it can be. But I think it's not guaranteed. And that, that in a way, makes it kind of more exciting, doesn't it? That, you know, I'm really intrigued to see what somebody like Ricky Knight Jr. can do with a Jeff Cobb. Because I, I feel like, and I don't know this, but I feel like Jeff Cobb is the wrestler that needs to be led. I think he needs to be in there with great opponents. And Ricky Knight Jr. is that, but he's also very young. So I think this will be a test on how well Ricky Knight Jr. can put together matches, how well he can construct his stories, how independent he can be with that sort of thing. But I certainly think that this match is going to be exciting. I think he's got a chance to be something really, really special. Again, as I keep saying, added to by that York Hall crowd, because they're always fantastic. There's going to be an undisputed British Cruiserweight Championship match and this is Oku against Mills and the tag team is going to explode Uh, they're not really leading into the story so much which I actually kind of like I think this is going to be a really interesting one because Mills really needs this Oku tag team more than Oku needs it but In a non-KFAPE sense, I think Oku kind of needs this tag team to keep his wheels spinning sometimes. I think this tag team has really saved him when you couldn't have a great Cruiserweight Championship match. Um, You know, when there hasn't been a contender, when there's not been, you know, for, for booking reasons, he's not been able to get a great match. He's also had this tag team to sort of tide him over and keep him in the limelight and keep him exciting. I think Mills is a really good partner for him because Mills, as we said before, he's very competent. He's very he's 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 a good wrestler, but he doesn't take away from Oku because he's a bit of a charisma void He's he's there. He's good. He's fine. You should have him on the roster, but he's there to let Oku be a star and, like I say, to give some Oku something to do so we still see him and we're still excited about him. With them wrestling against each other, I think it'll be a good match. I think they they clearly they're clearly friends. They clearly passionate about wrestling i think they're going to go out on a on a on a stage like york hall and they're going to give everything they have to put on an absolute banger of a match and i believe that it's going to be a really really good match what kind of worries me a little bit is what's going to happen going forward do you remember when the young bucks uh were wrestling the golden lovers and they had a match and the idea was is that they were going to have a match to settle it all um and in the end, the Golden Lovers won the match, but it, it didn't really settle anything. The match ended and Kenny Omega kind of put his hand out and said, right, we've won, it's over now, we've, we've got it out of our system. And the Young Bucks just kind of looked annoyed at him and walked away. And that was a really weird ending because it really made you think about real life conflict. Because how often does that happen? You think, right, I'm, I'm arguing with this person about something, so we'll have a scrap and put it all to rest and afterwards we'll never think about it again that's not how it works it just makes things more complicated because then you add literal power dynamics in it think of the fight in the Sopranos between Bobby and Tony how complicated that made the relationship it should have been something that was settled and moved on from but it wasn't it makes things more complicated and I really hope they lead into that with this that these people you know it's not just a feud and i'm saying this having i don't know what happened because they can't upload things so maybe i'm making a bit of a fool of myself here because maybe something did happen to build this match up where it was really corny but for now it's just Connor mills has taken a fall and they both looked a bit crestfallen and i think that that's a really interesting way to build a feud and build a match then we've got the undisputed british women's championship And it's Alex Windsor against Kylie Ray, And my God, does this division need this match to be good? I like Kylie Ray. I think she's had a lot of really good matches. I know a lot of people are really, really high on Kylie Ray, And I can't really claim to be an expert on her. I've seen her wrestle, obviously. But she's not somebody that I I, I couldn't give you a a list of recommended matches. So please, if you can, you are that person. Get into the Voices of Wrestling Discord and let us know. Um, But I think there's a chance that this could be good and the division needs it. I think that maybe Kylie should win. I know a lot of that comes down to perhaps finances and whether she's going to be committed to coming to Britain often. Um I, I don't you know I, I don't know if that's that's possible and that's feasible um but the more realistic scenario is that Alex wins or wins and it, it, she looks dominant she looks great and this gets her over. The problem with that is, is she then just going to go back to feuding with Rhea O'Reilly? And the answer is yes. That being said, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth. And if you've got somebody like Kylie, who is a star, we need to have this match. And I think this has got a chance to be good. I've spoken about this a few times. I've spoken about this with Jeff Cobb. I think Alex Windsor is a star who rises to the level of his opponent. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Main event time. Will Ospreay against Minoru Suzuki. What else do you need to say? Like quite genuinely, I'm not being facetious with that, facetious with that. What else do you need to say? Will Osprey against Minoru Suzuki? It's just, it is, it's going to be incredible. This is the match that sold out York Hall. I'm convinced. I'm absolutely convinced. Minoru Suzuki has a great history um, with this title. He's won it before. He's got a history with Pro Pro. Um, there was a while where he was trading the title with Ishii. Um, that I thought was great. I think there's a really good chance that Minoru Suzuki wins it. Especially with Will Ospreay doing this screwed, I've been screwed gimmick that he's doing this, this story that he's telling in New Japan of he feels like people are against him. Whether they lean into that or not, I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if Suzuki wins. If I'm a betting man, I'm saying Osprey retains. But I'm like 60 40, 70 30. And I like both options. That's what I really like about Red Pros, that they've given us this match where I like both options. I think both options would be excited. I think both options in the future would have great implications. Whether you want to give the belt to Suzuki, because Will Ospreay is obviously going to be over here a lot more or not, I don't know. But in a way, I don't really care. I want to live in the moment with this one. But one thing's for absolute certain, it's going to be a really, really good match. You know Ospreay's going to bring it in York Hall. He brings it everywhere. You know that he's not going to mess around. You know that he's going to take it really, really seriously. Do we know that Suzuki is? I'm not convinced. You look at his work in AEW, he doesn't bring 100% when he's on these holidays. We can convince ourselves sometimes that, you know... (laughs) <laughs> that, that that you know that, that he loves the British thing he loves the snake pit they he got the Billy Robinson connection to New Japan and all that business and he, he loves the heritage of it but America has that heritage too and he doesn't pull it out of the bag there so we'll see he could go either way I think he's going to be good, the floor is good could be great, I don't know, we'll see but this going to be. One thing's for certain: is it's going to be a really interesting show. And I am begging you, Andy. I don't know if you listen. I don't think you do. But if you do, please upload this in a reasonable time. Please upload this in a reasonable time, because I want to talk about it as soon as possible. And it's next weekend, so you've got a week to get it up. I want to talk about this as soon as possible. Get it up. So that's your lot for another fortnight of Eurograps Express. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've uh, had a relaxing evening. Uh, the sun, yet again, is about to come up here because it's about, what time are we on? <laughs> it's like quarter to five. Um, so I can hear the birds chirping and I'm, I'm feeling a little bit woozy. I love this this time, you know, when you're just that spaced out kind of dead time that you have that not many people see. You feel like the only person in the world who's awake. Um, I hope my embarrassing journalistic career... Um, wasn't too cringeworthy for you. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't find you anything more exciting, but I think it's just going to have to be me talking about shows. I think we're going to have to settle with that one, aren't we? What else can we do? You've got to play to your strengths, like I said about Nightshade, and my strength clearly is not investigative journalism. I might start reading some books maybe, you know, I might read some Watergate books and see if I can start, start getting some hints, but I doubt it. I think I'll just stick to what I do now. So, have a lovely fortnight, I hope you have some nice teas, and I'll see you soon. Have a good one.